Well, good morning, Faith Church. How is everyone? Let me hear a big yell out there. Whoop, whoop. All right. Good. I, uh, I'm mostly used to talking to college kids, so I like a little bit of a ruckus crowd. So feel free to shout back or, uh, you know, whatever you feel is appropriate for, for today. Well, um, your eyesight isn't blurry. I am not the guy that's usually up here. Uh, and uh, I wanted to, my name is Pastor Clayton. I'm one of the, I'm the operations pastor here. And uh, our, uh, in case you are visiting for the first time, your friends might have said, man, our pastor's hip and trendy. Well, I am not as hip or not as trendy and my jeans aren't as tight. And uh, so... <laughs> <clears throat> but so if you want to hear from him, uh, you have to come back next week. So that's not a bad deal, right? Um, so as so we get into today's message, uh, well, actually, let me tell you where Pastor Matthew is. Uh, past, uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and uh, he and his wife, Amber, are out on a uh, couple's retreat, enjoying some time in Colorado. And uh, so I get the honor of speaking this morning with you all. And uh, would you join, I, I really would like to pray a blessing over Pastor Matthew. Uh, there's a good chance that he's watching, so he's with us. Uh, so would you just join me as we pray blessing over him this morning? Father, we thank you for our uh, Pastor Matthew and Amber, and the kids and his family, and we pray that this time uh, that he's been uh, on a retreat, that he would have heard your word, that he's engaged and inspired, and um, we're grateful for his leadership. And uh, we pray for his safety as he travels back. Father, we lift him up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, also, on that same note, uh, our pastor loves social media. And so, uh, if you, I, I would encourage you, if he's blessed you or, or any way, uh, give him a shout out today or sometime this week. Uh, and just encourage uh, whatever's on your heart to. Um, Sorry, I'm getting videoed over there. Uh, whatever's on your heart, <laughs> I, I called you out, didn't I? Uh, whatever's on your heart, I want you to encourage uh, Pastor in that way. So, well, um, so we are in a collection of series called Up in Smoke. And uh, what we're looking at ultimately is we're looking at examples in Scripture where God restores his people around the idea of fire and smoke. Uh, which is super cool because I like both of those things, uh, fire and smoke. And uh, so it's been a really fun uh, series to be in. Today's question that we're, we want to look at is what happens when your zeal, your passion, your desire for God kind of goes up in smoke, so to speak, right? Because we go through seasons and uh, some of us are living through 2020. And how many of you know, many plans have gone up in smoke, right? Okay. Um, are there any pattern and routine people in here who like, you like your routine, you like your pattern, you don't talk to me if you want to disrupt my pattern? Um, so I, um, uh, I kind of walk the line, it depends on the day, which really makes it fun for my wife to figure out, okay, are, are you going to be uptight if we change the schedule or are you laid back today? So that's fun. But, um, but many of us, if you like those routines and you, something goes haywire, it's kind of easy to get grumpy or frustrated or kind of like um, I just, you know, raising your fist at whatever you raise your fist at. And um, so 2020 has sort of been like that for some people, right? For many people. All of our, everything has changed. 
if you are a teacher, you're teaching in a different way. If you are parenting, you, maybe you've become the teacher. If you are coaching, you, everything has changed. And so when life kind of throws us um, a curveball, uh, sometimes it's easy for, because we're, paying, we're attuned to the details in front of us, our, our relationship with God can take a back seat sometimes. And so today we want to talk about what do we do uh, when that happens. And so we're going to look at um, a pattern in the Old Testament. And this is a really, uh, really interesting pattern because it not only gave the people of God a pattern in how to encounter and worship God, but it also is a pattern of heaven, okay? So if you've ever wondered what heaven is like, this is kind of a sneak peek of some of the elements in heaven. So I want to open with, with a verse uh, out of Hebrews. It's Hebrews 8.5. And the, the verse says, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain, okay? All right, so we're going to go back in the Old Testament, okay? I'm sure it's favorite reading for many of you, Leviticus and Numbers and all those exciting chapters. You're like, wait, what, what are those books? <laughs> yeah, come on. So, uh, so we're going to go back into the Old Testament, and we're going to look at uh, when God, I like to think of it, when God was courting his people, right? If you are some, we're all in different kind of levels of relationships with significant people. Uh, if you're looking for a spouse, you're going to start, most of us don't just say, ah, you, and we're going to get married. There's a, there's a process of getting to know that person, right? There's, uh, and uh, you know, maybe it's courting or dating or, and then you move boyfriend, girlfriend, like, I don't know all the steps. It's been a minute since I've been there. Well, in the Old Testament, this was God's, he said, hey, you are my people. I want to, I want you to know me. And so kind of at the start of their relationship, they discussed some healthy boundaries, right? Don't you know relationships need healthy boundaries? It's also known that as the Ten Commandments, all right? So God said, hey, people, I like you guys. Uh, if you want to be in relationship with me, here are, here's Ten Commandments. This will ensure that we have some healthy uh, interaction. Um, and so, so they gave him the Ten Commandments. Well, how many of you know as relationships progress, maybe you've been married for a while, sometimes you um, have to develop what those boundaries mean and you have further conversations of roles and responsibilities. And, or, or maybe you're a classroom teacher uh, or a parent and maybe you start out with, okay, okay, class, here's the 10 class rules, you know, or sons and daughters, here's, here's your rules. And as they get older, the class goes on, you have to add maybe a few extra rules and, you know, okay, I didn't think that you would ever do that, so you can't do that anymore, okay? So you add, so, well, parents and teachers, don't be discouraged. That actually is what happened with God. He gave him 10 and had to add 644 more. So, you know, not that we're counting or anything, but, um, but part of this process of the law, that's what it's referred to in the Old Testament, was to let the people know that these are boundaries. And if you've broken a law, then you, that means that you have sinned and you're not perfect. Now, um, I would assume that most of us would fall in the not perfect category. So also what God said 
was because I am perfect. I have made a way for you still to be in relationship with me because when we break the, the, rule, the law we, that's called sin and we no longer have access to be in fellowship and relationship with God. But the cool thing is he says, okay, yeah, you're a bunch of sinners. I still really like you. And so I want, you, I want there to be a way for you to be in relationship with me, okay? And so this is where the, 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 the type and the pattern was given to Moses in how the people would come and approach God, all right? So, um, so if you have, um, so this is called the tabernacle. It's also called the sanctuary. And then uh, I'll leave it at that for now. We'll kind of unpack what that means a little bit. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of how they did church back in the day. They called it the tabernacle, okay? Now, we're going to talk about three specific things that, that we're going to carry with us today. Because if we were to go into all the details of the tabernacles, you know, when I started making this, I was like six pages deep, and I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work. We got to simplify this. It's a fascinating study because remember, it's a shadow of what's in heaven. So it's amazing. God is revealing himself and where we're going to spend eternity, even 2,000 years ago, okay? Or actually, it's probably longer than that. Uh, so the first thing that I want to talk about is in the tabernacle, one of the most notable things in the tabernacle was the sacrifice, okay? So this is, uh, so God required a sacrifice to cover the sin that we committed when we sinned against him, okay? That's how we came back into relationship with him. Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement. An atonement is a fancy word for cover. I've given it to make a, an atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for your life. Okay? So God really wanted this people to know that when we sin, it's a real thing. It's a real problem. And we don't want to discount that the, the sin is what breaks our relationship with God. But we also don't want to discount that we have an incredibly good God that made a way. And all those elements are important to keep in front of us. We don't want to get heavy on the side of, well, God will forgive me so I can do whatever I want. But we also don't want to get on the side of, you know, I can't do anything right. Okay, so those two things are important that, yes, we are sinners, but God has made a way. Right? So that's really, really important. Okay? So the sacrifice was an animal. All right, so can, I just want you to picture for a second, like the, the early church services, like if we were bringing our sacrifices, I mean, just for a second, just pretend like every family had their goat or sheep or there's a number of different sacrifices you could make. Like, what would that be like? Like, I mean, just, okay, I wouldn't probably be saying anything. I'll just start with there. We would just be like, all right, let's just get, get after it, right? We would come up here. We'd start with the sacrifice, and then we would just go. Um, some of you might prefer that would, anyway. All right, so, uh, so the sacrifice, and I, I, I was thinking about the sacrifice, and I think one thing that's interesting about the sacrifice is the sacrifice often started at home, right? You brought your sacrifice from your flock, Okay. Today, when we gather with believers, it often costs you something 
minimally, it's time, right? You're, you, are, you are paying with your time to be here. That's one of the ways that you're paying. paying. When you bring your sacrifice before the Lord, you are bringing something to offer to the Lord. Now, this is what's fascinating about this, the, the Leviticus scripture that I just read. Because I think we, we smooth over it sometimes because we're looking at the animals and the creatures and the blood and you're like, that's a lot. But we miss over this, we, we run over this little phrase that I think is really the heart of the Father. I'm going to read it one more time and it says, For the life of the creatures in the blood and I have given it to you to make an atonement for yourself. And sometimes we miss that element of, I have given it to you. So what's crazy is like, we sin against God. Okay, right there, he has no further responsibility. Like he could just say, and you're out. But he made a way, which is incredible to start with. And then second of all, he says, and here's, here's your sacrifice. He gives us the sacrifice, and then he says, okay, give it back, right? A lot of times we think, man, God has all these requirements and all these rules, and it's so hard, and, it, you know, it's like my children whining to me, and I'm like, bro, what? Come on, <laughs> okay? And God, I don't think God has that same attitude. I think God has a much better attitude than I do, but in fact, I know he does, not I think, but this whole idea that God, from the very beginning, is showing his Father's heart in the midst of the people, all right? So, so we've got the sacrifices. One of the sacrifices, um, let's, let's talk a little bit also about, hang on a second. All right, so the sacrifice, it costs us something. That is the first, one of the things you'll find in all the tabernacles. The second thing that we find in the tabernacles is the smell, okay? Can we just talk about the smell for a minute? Okay, um, before we talk about this, by the way, the title of this message, I titled it, What's That Smell? Um, and don't you know, if, if you are a parent, that is, a, that is an important question to ask. Um, what is that smell? All right, I have four children, and sometimes we're raising animals in the house, and smell is an important a sense in life, all right? So I've got a couple fun facts uh, about smell that I think is really interesting. The smell, or the sense of smell, is the first of all of our senses to develop. Uh, they say that even before we're born, our sense of smell is fully formed and functioning, uh, which I think is really remarkable, and I think it helps with the bonding with the, the baby and the parents and, and so forth. Um, it, it, it's just amazing. Uh, the second thing, and this is also really fascinating to me, it says, scent works in the opposite direction of the other senses. With sight and sound and taste, we identify the information first, and then we have an emotional response. But with smell, it's different, right? With smell, we have an emotional response, and then we figure out what the smell is, okay? Now, how many of you are already, do, you, um, do anybody have favorite smells, right? Like favorite smell, you can smell something, and immediately it takes you somewhere, Right? And, I, you know, it's different for different people. Some people like gasoline. I never understood that. You know, some people like, you know, fresh-cut grass or whatever. But smell is a really powerful sense. And it comes to play in this tabernacle that we're talking about. Um, the, the, third, the third fact that I think is super interesting, the sense of smell gets bored easily. 
The sense of smell gets bored easily. So the example that, so think about, you're, uh, you walk into a, a floral shop or a candle shop or a bakery or a, you're walking through a coffee shop, excellent, and you are, you know, you are hit with a smell and you're like, I am in the right place, you know, or, well, uh, and uh, hopefully you're in the right place. And you're overwhelmed with that smell, but by the time you get to the register, you have probably forgotten about that smell. Like it's not as strong anymore, right? And uh, I, I learned this the hard way because uh, some of you know I hiked a long trail in uh, 2008 called the Appalachian Trail. It, it goes from Maine to Georgia, or uh, I'm sorry, goes, well, yeah, Georgia to Maine. And uh, we spent a lot of times in the woods uh, walking uh, alone. And uh, because of that, there was not a lot of opportunity to shower. And um, one of the highlights of the trail is when uh, day hikers came walking by and we could smell them, you know, before they often came around the corner because we could smell the detergent and, and uh, you know, the, the smell on their clothes, which, by the way, that will preach. Your aroma will follow you, <laughs> pleasant or not. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, all right, so I'll stop on that. Um, <clears throat> so the aroma on the trail, like, was, was wonderful, but I had become accustomed to my aroma, and I didn't know the extent of this until, <clears throat> well, I finished the trail. I had about a week before my flight back home. So I had I showered every day before my flight, got on the flight, came home, about a week later, week had gone by, showered every day for a week. <clears throat> My dad came, and he said, hey, have you, uh, you showered since you got home? All of a sudden, I felt really bad for the guy that I sat next to on the plane, because I didn't tell him what I had been doing, and I clearly had become accustomed to my own fragrance that, <clears throat> obviously, to my according to my dad, was not pleasant. So, uh, so smell is a really interesting thing, and I think that... Uh, one of the reasons why God instituted this idea of, of sacrifice in the tabernacle was to remind us of his goodness and the relationship that he wanted. The reason why we meet with believers today is because it's easy to forget a lifestyle that's not honoring to God, right? We get distracted and all of a sudden we fall back into patterns that we're like, I shouldn't be in this pattern. But it's so easy if we are not reminded to, to be intentional, right, about the fragrance that we are carrying. All right, so, um, so with the smell, all right, there was a unique smell in the tabernacle. Um, how many of you have been around barnyard animals? Okay. Now, uh, would you rate that as a pleasant smell or a not-so-pleasant smell? All right, not People are, I'm getting mixed reviews, but some people, well, if they raise the animals, they're like, oh, actually, I kind of like the, you know, getting out in the morning and smelling, okay, uh, but for the most part, barnyard animals stink, all right, I'm going to throw that out there, okay, they have, they are no regards for people, they don't have any kind of, most of them don't, are not potty trained, most, I mean, there is, like, they don't care, <clears throat> and when you bring barnyard animals into a gathering of people, possibly to be sacrificed like they did in the tabernacle, they get a little nervous. When animals get nervous, things happen. There's <clears throat> okay, so I've painted the picture, I think, okay? There was a smell in church, all right? When you brought in your sacrifice, and I don't think it was an accident 
that smell is one of our strongest senses, that our sin was tied to a smelly animal that would be laid on the altar, that there would be a great exchange that happens that God would forgive our sins, right? Um, Now, the other interesting smell in the tabernacle, besides the animals, there was incense presence, okay? The sweet smell and aroma of incense. Um, I thought about actually bringing in like sheep and goats and incense and filling the place this morning, but uh, seven years of being a youth pastor has taught me not all of my ideas are good ideas for illustrations. Um, I did want you to remember this morning, but not, well, anyway, for the right reasons. So the smell uh, that was mixed in with the sacrifice was incense. I want to read a scripture here. This is further instructions to the priests and how to run, run the sanctuary. And God said, was talking to Moses, and he said, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar. Every morning when he tends the lamps, he must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight so that incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. How many, there's so much in this, in that verse. How many of you know the church is for the generations to come? Your worship, your study, your prayers are not just for you. They're for your children, your children's children, and for the generations, okay? So, the, the command to the priest, keep the incense burning night and day, 24-7, all right? Um, there's another element in the tabernacle that had to do with the, the sacrifice. And this is out of Leviticus 6, verses 12 and 13. And it says, Meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burnt offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offering on it. Remember, The fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Now, some people, especially if you're of the service mentality, would be like, dang, that's a lot of work, right? If you've ever tried to keep a fire going 24-7 mixed with incense, like somebody's got to cut the wood, somebody's got like, "This this is a job, okay? And sometimes we can look at the logistical side of it but let's look at what was happening. The smell and the smoke was raising in the sanctuary. The sanctuary was in the midst of this nation, right? This was a visual reminder of God speaking to his people, I am in your midst. And if you ever get discouraged or if you ever need reminding, look at the sanctuary, I am there, right? This was pre-Holy Spirit, right? If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. You have the Holy Spirit to remind you, to convict you, to teach you. That wasn't around. God needed visual reminders to his people in the tabernacle. But what a great uh, comfort to know. Whatever you are going through, you look out and you see the fire, the smoke, and the incense continually burning before the Lord. Uh, I think that's it's fascinating 
And what a great reminder of that smell. That, and speaking of the smell, uh, how many of you, like, you, you drive, like, how many of you know that when somebody is barbecuing in your neighborhood, you know about it, right? Like, smell travels. And if you're so bold, you may just pull up and be like, hey, when is, uh, what do you got going up in there? What's, uh, when, what time is dinner, dinner time, right? Okay. There's something about smell that draws, well, usually draws people, a, 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 a fragrance that is a pleasing will draw people. Okay. Um, so, in the tabernacle, we have the sacrifice, we have the smells, and there's a couple other things that I want to talk about. The smoke, I've been talking about it. Nearly 40 times in the Old Testament, God makes mention of this pleasing aroma of burnt offerings and incense that would come before him. Um, so in the early tabernacle, Moses's tabernacle, Moses was in leadership over the early tabernacle. This never ended, right? Okay. This was how God wanted his people to come into worship and into relationship with him. Uh, and then uh, over the many, many years, there's a transition in leadership, okay? There's a, another uh, guy, King David. So he's another character in Scripture. And he took over leadership. And uh, King David wrote many of the Psalms that we read in Scripture. Uh, he spent a lot of time around smelly animals uh, and leading in worship and writing songs. And um, one thing that is really interesting about King David is that somehow he had revelation that the incense and the smoke that came up before God somehow transformed into our prayer and worship and intercession, right? And David began writing songs about this, okay? Now, uh, the, the fascinating thing about the tabernacles is that the, this wasn't just church, right? The early tabernacles of the, the sacrifice and the smell was pointing to something, or rather someone, right? Jesus, the ultimate lamb, paid the sacrifice on the cross once and for all. And, some, you know, and thank good, the good Lord that we don't have to bring our sheep and goats in here anymore, right? Can anybody? I mean, if that's not worth praising, right? Like, this service would look so different if we were all, Anyway, all right. So glad we don't have to do that. So it is, so the, so it's, it's, there's so many different levels. There was a present day application for our restoration and our relationship with God. There was a pointing to something, right? So the tabernacle was pointing to Jesus, our ultimate sacrifice that covered our sins, okay? Which, and which brings us to today. We still meet in the sanctuary. We still meet in the tabernacle, right? Now, we remember what Jesus did, but we are still looking ahead to something, right? What we are doing today is meeting, and meeting with God today, but it is also for a point in the future. I'm going to get to that in just a minute, okay? King David, when he, he was taking leadership and stewardship over the tabernacle, God gave him revelation and, he, and established a new pattern. And one of the things that King David added was the songs, right? So we, had, we have the sacrifice, the smell, 
And now, because King David understood that there is something of a great exchange taking place, that we can celebrate in song and, and worship, and that's what we do here when we come to the sanctuary. I think it's really important at this point to, we need to remember that when we meet together, we might have a lot of ideas of what coming together is about or why we come to church, right? We might think, ah, I like the people. I like the, the coffee, I, which we don't have right now. <laughs> Thanks, COVID. Um, so we might like, uh, you know, the cute girl or guy in the back or, you know, whatever. I like the worship. I like the message. I like the... But the reason we come to the tabernacle, the sanctuary, the church is ultimately to bring our worship unto God. And David started to grasp this. And we as a people, sometimes it's easy to forget. And that's why sometimes we lose our zeal and our passion because we forget what Jesus did on the cross. And not only do we forget what Jesus did on the cross, we forget what he's going to do. Jesus is coming back. And not only Jesus is coming back, it is your prayer and worship and intercession that is going to play a role in that. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Okay? King David instituted this, this idea. I'm going to go back to his tabernacle just for a second. I'm going to read you some scriptures that, that, that he realized that just as the incense and the fire were to be burning 24-7, he realized that was the, the worship and intercession coming up before the Father. I don't know how that works, right? I don't know how, like, the smoke and the fire turned into, you know, uh, something that was really pleasing to him, but it did. Just in the same way that I don't know how our words that come out of our mouth that are invisible come up before the Father as fragrant offering. We just, we just sang about that, but something happens. But if we don't let the words come out of our mouth, we don't get to participate in that worship. We don't get to participate in what's coming to the full degree that we could. All right, so let me read to you the revelation that King David had about the, the new version of the tabernacle. In 1 Chronicles 23, 1 to 6, Said so now, when David had reached an old age, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. And he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. The priests and the Levites were the guys that ran the church. Okay? And so they did, they're like, all right, how many guys do we have here? I mean, it's kind of the old, like, all right, let's, you know, take a census, figure out how many people we have here. So there's 38,000 of them. How many, you can run a church with 38? Wow, that's a lot of people. Uh, and then they divvied up their responsibilities, right? So, uh, of these 24,000 were to oversee the works of the house of the Lord. So, all right, so you got some guys to split some wood now, so that's fantastic. Um, that's, can you imagine a church with a staff of 24,000 people? I, I cannot. All right, so, uh, so 24,000 people are chopping firewood, and then you've got uh, 6,000 people. They were officers and judges. You've got 4,000 who are gatekeepers. Now, here's what David Here's the big revelation that he had. 4,000 were worshipers that were assigned now to minister before the altar night and day with worship and prayer and intercession. That 
is mind-boggling to me. So now, remember, one of the purposes of the sanctuary is for, for the people to know that God is in their midst. So now you have the incense and you have the song coming out of the sanctuary 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? Um, as, we, as we move into uh, answering this question, what do we do when kind of our, our passion, our zeal goes up in smoke? Some of the things that we can look at is, have you brought a sacrifice? And I'm not talking about like tithes and offerings, like that's just part of our worship, I shouldn't say just, that is part of our worship to the Lord. But I'm talking about what, what is in the way of, of, of connecting with your and restoring that relationship with God, okay? Uh, as I was preparing this message, um, I, was, I was thinking and I, I feel like that the Lord is encouraging me to encourage the people that there's some people who pray and they've been discouraged because they haven't seen prayers answered. And they keep praying and they haven't seen prayers answered. And um, I don't know about you, but sometimes that is really, really hard to continue to press on. Um, you know, like I mentioned, like I, I, I like to think about a little bit the, the mechanics of how prayer, like how does that even work, right? How does our prayer come before the Lord? And Well, there's a scripture that kind of explains a little bit. If you have been praying prayers that haven't been answered, I want to give you a little bit of hope because your prayers are not lost. In fact, the Bible tells us exactly where those prayers are. Revelations 5.8. I know, we're in Revelations. It's all right. We're not going to get too intense here. Revelations 5.8 says, um, when he had taken it, they're talking about a scroll, and they're talking about Jesus has taken the scroll. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, which is Jesus. Each one, each of the elders had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. As we come and we worship and we pray, people of God, your prayers matter. And if you haven't seen immediate answers, they're being held because the answer is not yet to be revealed or released. Okay? Now, if you're curious, like I am, well, so when do they get released? Well, I'm glad you asked. Further in Revelation, Revelations 8, 3 to 5, uh, there's another angel who had, get, who had a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. Isn't it cool? God's tabernacle started thousands of years ago with an altar, and we're coming to the end of the age in front of God's altar again. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of God's people. They were on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and hurled it back towards the earth. And I believe that is God's justice coming upon the earth that is not yet seen yet. So I want to encourage you in your walk this morning. 
if you feel like God doesn't answer your prayers, God doesn't hear your prayers, then you have to argue against Scripture. Because Scripture says that your prayers are being held and they're to be released at a time to come. Remember the pattern that we talked about at the beginning. The pattern of the tabernacle in the early days was to point to Jesus, the hope of a redeemer, the hope of the Messiah, the lamb to cover our sins once and for all. That's what it was pointing to. And now today, we're still in the sanctuary of God, offering our praises. And I want to encourage you that it is still for today, but also pointing for a day to come. And friends, don't stop praying. Because if your prayers aren't mixed in, your prayers matter. You are the people of God. You are the saints that it was talking about. I think some people get hung up on, some versions say the prayers of the saints. And some people are like, uh, I'm not a saint. It doesn't say you have to act like a saint. Okay? If you have accepted Jesus, you are a saint. He doesn't say you have to be a saint to come to me, right? And in fact, if you're here and you have not said, okay, I'm in. I want to. I understand that I'm not perfect and I am a sinner and I do want to be in relationship with God and you want to accept Jesus' death on the cross. You can do that today. You want to say, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm in for the end thing too. Like I want to, you know, there's a lot of people asking like lots of conversations. Are we in the end times? Are we the, I, don't, I don't know. But what I do know is that our prayers matter and our prayers are being held. And I want to be part of that. I want my prayers to affect the earth. And I know when we, in our intercession and worship and we pray, it's a guarantee that we are partnering with God to affect the earth for all eternity. And I want that. Today, we don't have the reminder of the sacrifices walking in here. We don't have the smells of the animals walking in here. But Jesus did leave us a reminder. And he said, when you come to the Lord's table, table there's some elements and we take these elements, I want you to remember me. And we've been doing this for a while. We've been doing this every Sunday for, for many months. And I would encourage you, don't let these elements become routine. All right? You know, that's the benefit of the old tabernacle. You couldn't go to the tabernacle without a sacrifice. It was a visual, smelly, bloody reminder. Sometimes we don't have that reminder in terms of that anymore. We have the Holy Spirit in us, but sometimes it's easy to not listen to the Holy Spirit, right? So today, as we take the bread, let's, let's remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. This represents his, his body that was broken, hanging for us, that we may be in restored relationship with the Father. Let's take and eat that. The juice is a, is a reminder of his blood, the blood sacrifice that covered our sins, that paved the way that we may be back into relationship with the Father. As we drink, remember, remember that. God is so good.
Remember the third element that David added to the tabernacle was song and celebration. And I hope as you leave today that you have met with the Lord. You have brought your sacrifice before him. You've experienced the great exchange and you can leave here with a song in your heart, right? That is the good God that we serve. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that you are so good to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.